And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. I want to tell the listeners here to the Athletic Hockey Show a little bit about the New York Times audio app. A uh, new iOS app for the New York Times subscribers. Uh, it's got our show, this one, the Athletic Hockey Show, plus other great podcasts from The Athletic, exclusive shows, narrated articles, and more. New York Times Audio, download it now, newyorktimes.com slash audio app. We welcome you to the Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. As always, on a Thursday, it's Ian Mendes, Sean McIndoo uh, with you. Uh, Before we tackle the Florida Panthers punching their ticket to the Stanley Cup, uh, teeing up uh, game four of of, of Vegas and Dallas, uh, Sean, on, on the Monday show with Julian, I read that same kind of intro, the little promo here for the New York Times uh, audio app. And I, I said, boy, it's, it's interesting. They say you can listen to narrated articles. And then Julian and I, we just had a real quick conversation about, boy, do you think they're going to ask us to read out our articles at some point? And I just thought of, can you very quickly share the experience you had of reading your own book that you wrote? Uh <laughs> In an audiobook format. Yeah, it was awful. It was, uh, first of all, it was, it was a fun experience because they, they, you know, when you do a book, you always want it to go out in as many formats as you can. So when they first called me up and said like, Hey, we want to do an audiobook," I said, that's cool. Cause the first book I did, didn't, didn't get the audio treatment. So I thought, you know, this is good. And then I, I foolishly said like, what, you know, famous person or what like you know voice uh expert are we hiring to do this and they were like oh no we're not hiring anybody you you need to do it so i got to have the experience of going to a recording studio and sitting in a booth (laughs) and reading uh my own writing for hours i mean it it 
takes forever to do this stuff. And that is a, if you are a professional writer or just an aspiring writer, any kind of writer, um, and you're wondering like, what does writer hell look like <laughs> having to read your own work in front of people? Um, especially in that uh, situation, because what I didn't know and didn't realize is that they are super strict that you have to read it. It has to be every word has to be exactly right. You can't swap a word. You can't, you I mean, you can't change anything. And, uh, you know, I remember at one point getting frustrated because they, you know, they kept stopping me and they said, no, no, you didn't, you, you know, you, you didn't get it quite right. And I was like, why does it have to be exactly right? Like nobody's comparing the two. <laughs> nobody's following along. Nobody's going to know. And they were like, well, it's, it's a big thing in the, in the audiobook world that you have to be true to the author's vision. And I was like, I am the author. <laughs> like, I'm okay. I'm signing off on this. <laughs> I and I kept, author. man, I kept finding things that like, it, like weird things that I can't say properly or that, you know, I, I would, first of all, I would. Was there like a name that, was oh, there like I, a name I, that tripped you up? Anybody who knows me on podcast knows I, my success rate for pronouncing names is 50% at best. That wasn't the issue because my producer would like just every day I would come in and they'd be like, here's everything that we think you might not be able to pronounce spelled <laughs> out. But you know what it was? I found out I could not say the Detroit Red Wings without tripping up. I couldn't do it in a natural way. You just did uh, it. The Detroit Red Wings. No, I just did. I just did like the slow version, like really thinking about it. Okay. So, uh, but when, whenever I would be just casually, blah, 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 the Detroit Red Wings, I would like hit that R and, and I would mess it up. And it was interesting because the producer was somebody who had actually done acting and, you know, all, all sorts of things. And she explained to me, she, and, and I couldn't tell you what the explanation was, but she sat down and she was like, yeah, you know, the combination of a D and an R with the TH and, and it makes your, your mouth do this. And here's why you can't do it. But the problem is. I wrote a book about the history of the NHL. I don't know if you've heard of this original six uh, thing, <laughs> but it's a pretty big chunk of it. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff about the Detroit Red Wings in this book. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I'm getting to the chapter on Gordie Howe and I'm like, oh no. And and the way that it worked is you, I would read, uh, you know, I, I would just be reading off the page, but I would do a sentence at a time. And, and you know, they could edit it but you had to get the sentence right. So, you know, I would do a sentence and if I tripped up anywhere, I would just hear the producer in my ear saying, do it again. Uh, you know, let's try it again. And as long as I got the sentence, it was fine. But I would get there and I would like see, first of all, I would see some run on sentence. Like, could I get please an editor to trim down my sentences? Because good Lord, do I ever ramble on for a long time on on some of these things. And I'm using semicolons and stuff like that. Get out of here with this. I, I tell you, if I ever write a book again, it's going to be five word sentences, the entire thing. Yeah. But I would see like, you know, your, your brain kind of like reads ahead and I would just see this paragraph of a sentence and at the very end, the and then he was traded to the Detroit Red Wings. And I would just be like, oh, like I'd be in my own head. Uh, so I know what it's like to be a Ma Toronto Maple Leaf in the playoffs. I know the exact feeling because it's the same feeling yeah. I get when I see like a 200 word sentence laid out that ends with the Detroit Red Wings. And I was just like, by the end of it, I was cursing the author of the book. I'm like, can this guy get out of his own butt and just get to the point, please? And also 
my next book is going to have no references to the Red Wings at all. Sorry, yeah. Detroit fans. Uh, the, the, the names that always trip me up in, uh, in TV, the two, one is former Washington defenseman, and I'm going to say this very carefully and slowly, Carl Alsner. Okay. Like, like, mm-hmm. do you remember, do you ever remember the, uh, did you watch 30 Rock at all? No, I never did. Okay. Well, 30 Rock's got a great skit about a fake show called The Rural Juror, where like, it's okay. like, but it's so hard to say like the two yeah. words back to back, Rural Juror. Uh-huh. And that was me with Carl Alsner. I'm like, I just, for whatever reason, I have to really stop and think about it. Carl Alsner. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. And then the other one, I remember we were in Philadelphia. And uh, we were doing, rehe- like, just to peel back the curtain for people who may not realize this, when you watch the opening of a hockey broadcast, uh, about 10 or 12 minutes before, uh, we would do, you do a rundown, which is basically a rehearsal. Like, so you see the opening montage and, you know, hey, welcome inside the Wells Fargo Center. It's whatever it was, Senators Hockey, yada, yada, yada. And we would go through the script. And so you would you would see, you know, the dressing room shot. There is, you know, Claude Giroux tying up his laces. He's got eight points in his last five games, whatever, right? Like, you know the spiel. You've watched games. And in the rehearsal, I could not nail James Van Riemsdyk. I kept Ooh. saying James Van Riemsdyk or whatever. I was messing it up. And I was so f- afraid when it finally came. I was just like, and there's JVR ready to go. I was like, thank yeah. God this guy has a monogram, uh, you know, whatever, like the initials. Uh, I'm thinking of the monogram sweater, but like the initials of JVR, because I, I just, I, I was like, James Vams. I was like, what you is get happening? in your own head. On yeah, things. I, 100%. I for years Jonathan Huberdo would get because I would always like I I would start saying it and I'd be like okay it's there it's a little bit weird there's so, and then like I would just freelance it and I'd be like Jonathan Huberdo and then like people are like that's not even close man you're not even in the ballpark on it but uh, yeah it can be uh, you if, if you listen carefully to me on podcasts you can hear moments where I'm. I'm starting to talk about one guy and then I realize I don't know how to pronounce the name. So I'll yeah. like shift or I'll just like make a reference. I'll be like, hey, man, goaltending. Am I right? And it's like, yeah, he didn't say the name of the goaltender. That's yeah. interesting. But you yeah. know what? The other thing that I still remember about that that experience was going into this this recording studio, which obviously was a new experience for me. And I remember after a few days being, and this was just like some out of the way place in Ottawa. It wasn't a big, uh, you know, big thing. It was like on some side street. They're like, you know who once recorded here? I was like, who? Who who was also who in this booth where I where I did my hockey book? And they go, Snoop Dogg. And I was like, wow, what a neat link between Snoop Dogg and the NHL that will and probably Ottawa. never it, be talked. I'm sure he'll uh, you know, this will be the last we'll ever hear of Snoop Dogg in an NHL context. But yeah, me and me and Snoop Dogg have shared a booth. Oh can, my god. I can say that with honesty. Okay. Well, you know, and I, I would, wouldn't mind hitting on some Senators stuff uh, in a bit, the ownership stuff, but I, I do think that people do want to talk about the game, about last uh, what happened on Wednesday night. Uh, fascinating. But actually, here's the perfect segue. Uh, in fact, I'm going to get, maybe I'll get our producer, Danielle, to drop it in. You, I think the all-time worst pronunciation ever is of Kachuk. And do you remember this? A couple of years ago, the late uh, Gilbert Gottfried did one of those, uh, what is it, cameo? Where you hire a celebrity? Oh yes. And, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just sent it to Danielle. I'm, I'm gonna ask Danielle, our producer, to drop in a little bit. This is Gilbert Gottfried saying the name Kachuk, and it's hilarious. Like Takachuk. Like he, he doesn't, 
you know, you know, he's a cat. He's just reading a cameo. And this is right after um, Brady Kachuk went off on Brendan Lemieux. Do you remember this? He calls him a brickhead, calls mm-hmm. him whatever. So just listen to this. Here it is. Gilbert Gottfried with Kachuk. Kachuk was furious. This is the one time I'm going to answer this, said Kachuk. Anyway, see, I didn't know if we would be able to get weird pronunciations to a Kachuk segue, but but here we are. So Wednesday night, Matt Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk. uh, Boy, five seconds left. Let me ask you this. As a player, Sean, would you rather score kind of a game series clinching goal with like five seconds left in regulation to win it or do you want that bad boy in overtime do you want the absolute walk yeah Yeah, i think so right it's got to be overtime and by the way uh kudos to matthew kachuk for having the presence of mind with five seconds left to not do the walk-off celebration (laughs) couldn't you imagine (laughs) panthers are gone and like you know you're just lining up at the opening face-off and uh hurricanes just knock the puck in um, no, I want the overtime, man. That's uh, you. You got to go. You got to go sudden death. I, I'm sure he's not kicking himself for getting it uh, five seconds early, but um, no, I mean, I, I don't think I'd want the quadruple overtime that he got uh, in game one. That that feels like it would be a rough next couple of days. But um, <laughs> the uh, it, doing it a couple of minutes in, like in game two, I think that's that's the best of both worlds. So is this the like? Help me out here. Like, you know, I think you and I are pretty well-versed in, in hockey history, recent hockey history, playoff history. Matthew Kachuk, and let's just stick to skaters here, because I think if you go to goalies, obviously there's been, you know, great example. Bobrovsky himself, a great example of goalies who just get stupid hot for a week, and you're like, wow, that, that guy, you're not getting past that guy. Uh, in the span of a week, Matthew Kachuk has that quadruple overtime winner, then the game two overtime winner, then the game four series clincher with five seconds left, essentially three walk-off goals uh, to, to give his team a win. Has there ever been a skater? The first guy that comes to mind for me is John LeClaire when, when LeClaire went back-to-back in the cup final uh, mm-hmm. against LA. Has anybody had a more clutch week as a skater than yeah. Matthew Kachuk? That you can I'm think not of? sure. Like, as, as a week, that's... A, and we've seen guys be insanely productive in a week. Leon Seidel, you know, a couple weeks ago being, uh, being an example of that. But as far as the the clutchiness of it, um, I'm not sure anyone. If if you're especially if you're saying in a week, because the the name that comes to mind for me when I'm I'm seeing this is Martin Jelena. Remember back in 2004 Ooh, the, where he kept scoring series winners in overtime. Most of them. I mean, he was that that was his his thing. But that was over you know the course of uh, you know he he was the closer who would come in and end a series. But it wasn't over the course of a week, obviously. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure anyone tops this. And, and you know what I'm fascinated by? All, you've got all of this Matthew Kachuk talk. You've got all of this. I mean, man, what? This guy is a warrior. This guy is Mr. Playoffs, Mr. Clutch, Mr. Postseason. Uh, man, if you, if you could pick one guy to go into a seven-game series, this is your guy. This is the guy you, you're going to follow into battle. Look at, look at everything he's doing. And meanwhile, if I'm a Calgary Flames fan, I'm sitting there going, for, forget about him forcing his way out of town. 27 playoff games Matthew Kachuk played for the Calgary Flames. He had 15 points Yeah, in 27 games. Basically a half a point a game. All right? I'm a Leafs fan. 
Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner both play 50 playoff games. They both have like, I think Matthews has got 44 points. Marner's got 47, almost a point a game, but not quite. And these guys get roasted. Unproductive, don't come up big in the play. Their game drops off. Matthew Kachuk was scoring at half that rate for the Calgary Flames over, I mean, it was like four years, I think, of of, uh, playoff runs. Obviously, some of those were when he was a, a young player, but this was a guy, he was a dud. In the playoffs, and then he comes to Florida, and suddenly he's he's Gordy Howe, he's unstoppable, and it just makes you wonder. Like, all right, there's that part of you that goes, I wonder what happened. I wonder what flipped the switch for this guy. Was it coaching? Was it something Paul Maurice? Was it the environment? Was it being out of the pressure? Was it being the guy, knowing that you had the you know the big contract? What was it that transformed this guy from a guy who couldn't do it in the playoffs to a guy who can't be stopped in the playoffs? And then there's the other voice in your head going, maybe there is no such thing as clutch, and we're just watching a guy get hot at the right time, and we're filling in the storylines around it. Because, man, Calgary fans never saw this. They wish they had. Uh, Kachuk, and then go back to, remember, he had uh, maybe his most clutch goal is the one in Game 5 against the Bruins in overtime, right? Like, that, mm-hmm. the, their, their season was hanging by a, a thread, and, and, and he gets it there. So he's got four... Uh, game-winning goals in the playoffs. So I looked this up. Do you know who holds the record for the most game-winning goals no, in a single Stanley Cup playoffs? Okay, so there's there's two guys that have done it, uh, w- you know, with uh, above the rest. One is Joe Newendike, who had six game-winning yeah. goals for Dallas when they won in '99, and the other is Brad Richards, who had seven for Tampa yeah. Bay when they won in. Uh, in, in 2004. 2004. That's interesting so, because I, you know, I was looking back at, uh, I've got a, a piece going out tomorrow where I'm looking at Sergei Bobrovsky and I'm trying to figure out, has any old goalie just gone on an out of nowhere heater like this before? And, and one of the guys that, that comes up is Nikolai Habibulin in 2004, was fantastic, stood on his head uh, and, and Tampa wins the cup. And I was looking at it going, wait a second, why did this guy not win the con Smythe? He was that phenomenal as a goaltender, but it's a similar situation to what we're seeing in Florida where you had the, the veteran goalie get super hot, but you also had the, the star forward, um, get, uh, you know, not just putting up great numbers, but yeah, seven game winning goals. Wow. That's, that's really something. So, um, good news if you're a Florida fan, because that formula Worked for Tampa in two thousand four. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy what he what he's been able to do. I, and and just a preview for that piece you're dropping tomorrow. I assume Dwayne Rollison is like yeah. guy number one. He's he's right up there. I think he's yeah. he's one of the uh, the very first guys that comes to mind. I think the other guy that's probably uh, it comes to mind just because of the team is John Van Beesbrook. Um, and then there's a few oh, yeah, other guys that yeah uh, yeah that you can mix in there. There there may be an an Archer's Herbe. Appearance. O two O two Urbe or ninety four Urbe. No, okay. wait. See, that's the thing because he had he was young, he was fresh good in ninety four, and then uh, and then he was just phenomenal in uh, in two thousand and two. So uh, it's uh, yeah, it's sort of a weird one, and I, and it's you know not to give away the ending, but I, I'm not sure there's anyone who compares exactly to what we're seeing um, with Sergey Bobrovsky right now, where a guy you know there's a lot of guys where you might say. You know, wow, I didn't think, you know, I didn't think Ron Tugnut was that great. I didn't think Ken Reggett was that great. But then you look at it and you go, yeah, but he, he they were coming off career years or they were close to, you know, they had, at their peak when they had these great runs. I don't think we've ever seen anyone be great 
which Sergei Borovsky was for a lot of his early career, and then just fall off a cliff. And, and you know, including this year, this this guy wasn't great. And you know, it's again, it's it's funny. Like the two stories in Florida, other than uh, other than Matthew Kachuk, Sergei Bobrovsky being amazing, and Paul Maurice is redeemed. Paul Maurice yeah. is a genius. Now we all thought this was a terrible Redemption. move. They 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 downgraded their coach. Paul Maurice is absolutely the greatest coach in the league. When yeah. the Florida Panthers were going down the stretch with their playoff lives on the line, playoff coaching genius Paul Maurice did not have Sergei Bobrovsky in goal. They had their third string, and they yeah. were riding him, and he started in the playoffs. Again, you just look at this, and you're like, there's that part of you that's like, what a fascinating story and the way the things and, you know, we're, and then there's also that part of you going, man, it does any of this even make sense? Is this just, is this league just completely random? And, uh, you know what? Maybe it's that, but hey, if you're a Panthers fan, who cares? Enjoy the ride. This is, this has been something else. Well, I, I thought the, uh, the NHL stats department put this one out yesterday. I, this one, you want to talk about a stat that really kind of paints the picture for how random this is. The Panthers, uh, were in a playoff spot during the regular season for only 28% of the time, meaning of the 190 days that we had in the regular season from October to April, 190 days, the Panthers occupied a playoff spot in exactly 54 of those days. So 28% of the time. They are the only team in the expansion era of the NHL. So we're talking roughly, you know, 50-ish years here, 50 plus years. Uh, to reach the Stanley Cup final after spending less than 30% of the season in a playoff spot. Crazy. That's remarkable. Yeah, that's that's something else. I mean, yeah. uh, and, and again, it, I mean, many people have brought this up, just the, the razor-thin margins here between this being, you know, a, a franchise-altering story and yeah. they almost missed the playoffs which would have been a disaster. We would have all been taught, you know, Paul Maurice was the worst coaching change in history. And, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky has the worst contract in the league and, you know, making that, maybe making that big Matthew Kachuk trade broke up some sort of chemistry or dressing room or whatever it is. Um, you know, I know a lot of people have have pointed to that game, the, the, the game where Pittsburgh loses to Chicago. And they've said that's the game that changes everything because that, you know, Chicago, by winning that, they end up in the Connor Bedard spot and Pittsburgh blows up and Florida makes the playoffs. Um, I just go back even, you know, we talked about the Kachuk winner in game five against Boston. Remember Brad Marchand, the breakaway. Breakaway. Seconds left in regulation. You're watching him come in going, this is it. This 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 is how the Bruins punch their ticket right here. And instead, he gets stopped by Sergey Bobrovsky. And you go, okay, well, we'll get some overtime before. And I mean... At that, I mean, imagine Brad Marchand's on a clear breakaway. He hits the blue line. You hit pause, and you go, "What are my odds right now? Could I get yeah. the Florida Panthers to win the Stanley Cup?" I mean, they'd yeah, be right. million to one at that point. Uh, there, there's just, but that's the you know. I mean, geez, Brad Marchand must be waking up every day going, "I, I could have altered the history of hockey by just putting that puck in," and and it didn't happen. Razor thin. Razor thin margins we're we're dealing with here, and and again, that's either something that kind of makes you bang your head against the wall, or it's something that you say, "This is what I love about the NHL." It just that's that's what it can come down to: one play, one inch, one moment, whole seasons, whole legacies on the line because of it, and and you never know what's going to happen. And uh, 
you know what, for, for a lot of people, that's, that's what makes this the best time of year. Well, it's, uh, it's remarkable what Matthew Kachuk has been able to do. Year one in Florida. Uh, where does this rank in the kind of the list of guys that in, in year one after being traded? Okay, so this isn't like Sidney Crosby as a rookie or McDavid as a rookie or somebody who signed as a free agent. Like in year one after a trade, I think, me personally, I think of Gretzky in LA. Mm-hmm. I think of Doug Gilmore in Toronto. I think of Patrick Waugh in Colorado. I think yep. you came there and you fundamentally changed the DNA of the team, the direction, all of it, right? Yep. I think Matthew Kachuk belongs on that. Like, I think Gretzky's obviously a cut above for a, a myriad of reasons. But I think if we move into that Waugh, Gilmore kind of, I think there's a case to be made that Matthew Kachuk is there in year one with the Panthers, right? In terms yeah. of a trade. Yeah, as far as a trade. I mean, Joe Thornton would be an, another guy that yes. uh, would, yep. would come to mind, a midseason trade. The only guy to win an MVP in a, a season in which he was traded during the year. Um, Matthew Kachuk is a finalist this year. He's not going to win. Connor McDavid is going to win the Hart Trophy. But, uh, you know, even, even to be a finalist, yeah, I mean, he typically... A lot of times when we look at stuff like this, it's guys that are, you know, maybe they're veteran guys and you say, well, he came in and he changed the culture. And again, you know, maybe the numbers weren't great. You know, in this case, it's, you know, the numbers were phenomenal. And again, like all season long, we were saying, wow, Matthew Kachuk's playing great, but it's not going to be enough for these these Panthers because nothing else is clicking for them. I'm really not sure you're right. Gretzky is a different category. You got to put put that aside. I'm not sure, even, even in the era where... Big blockbuster trades uh, were pretty common, far more common than they are now. I'm not sure that uh, we've seen too many where you can just, you know, immediately spotlight and say, this guy coming in changed everything for that team. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, time for... A little Granger things with Jesse Granger brought to you by BetMGM, exclusive betting partner. With The Athletic, he did the Wednesday Athletic Hockey Show from his hotel in Dallas. He's doing the Thursday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show from the same location, right? Same spot, Jesse Granger. What do you say? Same exact spot. Sitting at my desk in my hotel room a couple blocks away from American Airlines Arena. Perfect. Have you bothered to pre-book anything for a game six, or do we not need to bother with that? I have not. 
Um, at this point, I'm not sure we'll get a game five, uh, but we'll Move see. Move over Mark Messier. We just got, uh, how's that yeah. for a guarantee? Guarantee. <laughs> uh, it, like, like, yeah, it, it, look, I, I really thought game three was going to be Dallas's game. You know, Ottinger, we were waiting for him to come out. And anyway, the reason that I think the thing I want to kick this off with, with you guys is when you guys did the pod on Wednesday, uh, at that point, you Russo and Rob Pizzo, uh, Jamie Benton hadn't spoken, right? He kind of left the arena uh, after game three, didn't speak, got suspended, uh, but but he did speak to the media uh, after he kind of cooled off on Wednesday. The comment that he made that garnered a ton of attention, I want to ask you guys, uh, look, he, he, he says, you know, I wish I didn't fall on Mark Stone and use my stick as a landing point. Uh, it is one of the all, you know what it reminds me of? And Sean will really remember this. When we talk about all-time excuses for things that happen in the NHL, and I'm sure maybe, uh, Jesse, you remember this, but Sean is such a, uh, you know, kind of history buff and, and nerdy, remembers these things. Uh, remember Andrew Ferentz giving the yes. finger to the crowd at the yeah. Bell Center? And Love they asked him stuff. about it. And then he's like, it was a glove <laughs> malfunction. Yeah. And and it was like, this is this is out of the glove malfunction, right? Je like, Jesse, when you, I don't know if you were in that scrum, but when you first got wind of this is Jimmy Ben's reaction, like what 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 was going through your mind? Uh, laughter. Um, yeah, I mean it, it was it was hilarious. I guess I don't blame him for trying to come up with something, but it's obviously wasn't the case. I mean, <laughs> like I I think uh, I saw Frank Saravalli tweet out a great uh, line about it that said, "I wish this fork would stop making me fat." Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it. I mean, he clearly cross-checked Mark Stone in the face neck area. Um, I don't know what he was doing. It was. I can't think of a more shocking play I've seen in hockey this year than that play because of who it's involved. It's the two captains, and the fact that the first two games were not chippy at all. They like I remember saying after game 2 like wow, what happened? The Winnipeg series for Vegas was very chippy. The Edmonton series was incredibly chippy. Obviously, it got all the way to where Petrangelo got suspended for for slashing Drysidle and Evander Kane was throwing all kinds of late cross checks. The first two games of the Dallas Vegas series had none of that. Basically nothing after the whistle. There were no big hits. It was very clean hockey. And the fact that Dallas had so much to play for, they I mean, yes, they're down to nothing, but those first two games were one shot goes another way, Dallas is up to nothing. Um, they lose both those games in overtime. And like you said, I expected Dallas to push hard in that game. I thought it was Dallas's game. I thought they feel they're right in this series. And Seven minutes in, it was over, and Jamie Benn's night was done, and Jake Ottinger's night was done. I just, I know Mark Stone, and yeah, he'll chirp occasionally, like any hockey player will, but he is not an overly trash-talking player. I, I was shocked to see Jamie Benn go after him. I don't know why he was so upset with him that early in a game where there's been no prior stuff in the other games, so it was shocking to see him do it. And his 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 uh, excuse was hilarious. Yeah, the the uh, Jamie Ben not talking to the media after the game made some news, especially since he's the captain and you're down three nothing. You think that would be your time to kind of rally the troops and everything? I I think we we tend to make too big a deal of guys not talking. They're supposed to. It's their job. They shouldn't just you know they they should 
talk, but yeah, sometimes I look at it and I go, you know, if somebody's just really ticked off and they know they're just going to say something, get themselves in trouble, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't hate the idea of, of, of not doing it. Um, but when I heard that the next day, like I was sitting there going, you had 12 hours to workshop this and come up with something. <laughs> yeah. And this is the best you could do. I really wanted to hear what he would have said in the immediate aftermath. Like, I yeah. want to hear what the first draft of this was that, uh, you know, was it was it like, you know, I, guys, I'm doing OK after Mark Stone viciously attacked my stick with his uh, with his spine. It, uh, I'm, I'm all right. I just want to assure. And they were like, you know what, maybe we'll go in a different direction. Um, did you get any sense talking to Dallas players? Like, what's what's the mood there? Because obviously, I mean, you're down three nothing. That's the big story. It's disaster, but it it did kind of feel like an unraveling in Game Three. Does it feel like a team that's done? Does it feel like a team that's now like us against the world? I I, I don't know. Like, what? How? How do they even come back from this? So the players, um, I didn't talk like one on one with any of them yesterday, but I did see them out on the ice and and saw them kind of as they were walking out to the ice and as they were walking back from the ice. And they seemed loose, looser than I would have expected. Um, so I, I would guess that's probably a good sign for them. Um, in terms of Pete DeBoer, who we've spoken to the last couple days since the loss, he... I don't want to say like resigned, but man, he he's so disappointed in the way that game went for them. And like he mentioned yesterday, someone asked him about coming back from the 3-0 deficit. And he was like, well, we're we're going to try to win this game because we don't want to get swept. And I was like, well, that doesn't mm. sound like a coach that thinks this team's coming back with four straight wins here. Um, you, f- you add in the fact that they're going to be without Ben for two games. Evgeny Dodonov is hurt. Um, they just, I just saw the email, they up, they pulled a couple forwards up. I don't know if he, he called Dodonov doubtful yesterday. I would, I probably don't expect Dodonov to play tonight and that kills their depth, which is one of the best attributes about this team. And basically this, t- their only shot to come back in the series is Jake Ottinger's got to turn it on. He's got to become the Ottinger we saw early in these playoffs last year against Calgary. He's got to be spectacular and he hasn't done a whole lot recently to to give you a lot of confidence that that's going to happen. Yeah, it almost yeah, feels it, like if you're if you're Dallas, obviously you want to come out tonight and play a great game, dominate the game, you know, have a, have a fantastic game. But it almost feels like the worst case scenario for Vegas would be for that not to happen. For Vegas to come out and play great, get forty shots, and Jake Ottinger stands on his head because that's the moment where you kind of go, uh oh, he could steal right. this guy. Yeah. Is this guy suddenly heating up? We've seen in the East what happens when a goalie gets hot. Oh, are we? Do we have anything to worry about here? But but where's knowing the Vegas team as well as you do? Where do you think their heads are at? Is this a team that can can be shaken by a loss or maybe even two? Or is this you know? Or, or is it is it a steady hand at the wheel, so to speak? I I don't know how they would handle it if they were to lose two in a row. Um, and and this all of a sudden this is a series. But what I can say is. Talking to Jonathan Marcheseau and Mark Stone the last couple of days, and even Bruce Cassidy a little bit mentioned it. Marcheseau brought up something great the other day where he said, I think at times in some of our past deep runs, we looked ahead. And if you look at those runs, they they always slayed the dragon. Like they would beat the big team. Colorado is a great example. They beat Colorado. And then suddenly you're looking the the semifinals against Montreal, who frankly, were not very good that year. And the final, the potential final was against Tampa Bay. 
And then so you beat Colorado. You're looking at Tampa Bay. You lose to Montreal. Even the year before that, they lost to Dallas, which was arguably a less talented team than they were before getting to Tampa Bay in the final. And Marcia so admitted that he thinks that they subconsciously looked forward a little bit in those in those years. And he said that this year they he feels like they've done a much better job of staying in the moment, looking at one game at a time. And and we asked Bruce Cassidy about it because he's the new coach. We figured maybe he's got a big thing to a big, he's a big reason why. And Cassidy pointed all the credit towards Mark Stone. He said, after every game, Mark Stone kind of stands up in front of the room and he lays out what this next game means and how important it is. And, and then we talked to Mark Stone about it and he's like, look, this team's down three, nothing. We have to expect the best Dallas stars we'll ever see. I think the Golden Knights are better prepared for this situation and to get through to the, to the finals now than they were in their, I mean, this is their fourth conference finals appearance in the last six years. I think they've learned a lot from the failures of the the, the past two failing to get back to the finals um, like they did that first year. So I don't know how they'll handle it if they lose a couple, but I do think that this team is full of guys who have won Stanley Cups, Alex Petrangelo, Alec Martinez, Chandler Stevenson, Ivan Barbashev. They've got great leadership in Mark Stone. Bruce Cassidy has, has coached this team really well. So um, I don't sense any bit of panic. If they were to lose tonight, I think I think they're going to be ready. And they got an ex-Coyotes goalie in Aiden Hill. That that helped the right. uh, the Avs, right? That with Darcy Kemper. So maybe that's yep. maybe we just need to be looking at the Coyotes goalie pipeline here to to find our next uh, uh, Stanley Cup winner. Hey, before before we let you go, one conversation we did want to have is uh, the Conn Smythe Trophy. And and again, we're not we're not saying that Vegas is absolutely through, uh, but it does feel like we're headed to a Vegas. Florida final. And if I'm looking at this year, and, and all apologies to Rupe Hints because uh, he's been just terrific. And I think if Dallas advanced, he would be the guy that would garner a lot of attention. But if we were just looking at the Panthers and the Golden Knights, it seems like, uh, you know, there's Bobrovsky, obviously, and Kachuk from Florida. I think Eichel from, from Vegas. Stone's been really good too. Uh, where do you guys sit right now? If, if they told you, guys, r- you have to submit your Conn Smythe ballot. Right now, who gets your vote? I have a feeling I know who Jesse's going to go with, but uh, let's let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky, come on. The guy's yeah. been spectacular. He he's he hasn't just been the best goalie in the playoffs. He's been better than every other goalie in the playoffs combined. I mean, <laughs> I mean statistically, his goal mm-hmm. saved above expected. I think uh, I'd have to check it after last night, but I think he's still got more goals saved above expected than than second, third, and fourth combined. He has been unreal for this team. But I will say, I with about five seconds left in the game last night, I was 100% Sergey Bobrovsky, he's the vote. Matthew Kachuk is making a hell of an argument. I mean, the guy, mm-hmm. like, you, 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 we always talk about, like, the narrative when it comes to Conn Smythe because it's a bunch of writers voting it, and, like, we love stories, and, and stories often impact the 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 voting for the Conn Smythe and man does he have the moments right like when you like Bobrovsky to me has been the best player on the Panthers and like they couldn't be here without him but at the same time when you think about this run the Panthers have been on all you're thinking about are Matthew Kachuk's overtime winners that winner with four seconds left last night it is insane how this guy continually comes up with the big goal in the big moment um, he he's making it a lot tougher to 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 give it to Sergei Bobrovsky. I'll say that. Yeah, and it especially like you look at Kachuk's numbers and they're very very good, but they're not stunningly good. 
but it's the moments. And it, it, it really is like, do you want that full body of work or do you want those signature moments? Because the highlight reel, the sizzle reel for Matthew, Matthew Kachuk is unbeatable right now. Although, yep. you know, we were talking about earlier, like, do you want a Sergei Bobrovsky highlight? That save on Brad Marchand at the end of game five, he doesn't make that save season over. There, yep. there is no Matthew Kachuk moment where you say, if that doesn't happen, it's it's done. So I, I'm with you. I'm I'm Sergei Bobrovsky right now because I think we're seeing like something historically good. But it wouldn't shock me if if the storyline uh, was uh, um, too too hard to resist for the writers. Where Ian, where are we? Three for three, or are you? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, how do you know this guy has put in? Uh, you know, like Jesse lays out there. Like, I mean, this guy is having. One of the most unbelievable runs we've ever seen from a goalie, right? And uh, as hot, but but Kachuk would be close for me. Eichel would be close for me, uh, unless Bobrovsky just has like kind of an average. Like, here's what I think: Bobrovsky would have to have like a subpar final, and then Kachuk would need like two to three more game winners for them on that side. Or and then the mm-hmm. flip side being, if Eichel just continues to Eichel, then uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't and, think Kachuk needs two or three game winners. I think if he scores the cup clinching goal, he wins the Conn Smythe. Yeah, he's and already got be, the big and, moments, and, and we know that like when you're voting on the Conn Smythe, you can put like the conditional in there because a lot of times right. you have to submit it with like ten minutes left in what could be the last game, but you can put yep. in like Bobrovsky unless Matthew Kachuk gets the winner. And and you know you're right, we we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, and and because. As I was telling Ian, I, I've, I've done this piece where I've tried to find comparable goalie runs to what Bobrovsky has done in this playoffs. A lot of them do run out of steam. You know, there's a lot of guys who have had two great rounds, three great, three yeah. great rounds, four. There, there's some, but there's there's some guys who have kind of run into that wall. And, uh, you know, that that would if 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 the Panthers win, I, I mean, I think if, if obviously if Vegas wins, Jack Eichel is going to 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 be the the guy unless you know or at least would be the guy right now um if it's florida i guess we see do you, do you guys is there any scenario where vegas wins a tight low scoring series and bob is and sergey bobrovsky gets the because yeah. you know we know it's it's very rare for a con smythe winner from a losing team but when it happens it's almost always a goalie is is that yeah. in play at all Maybe I mean you mentioned goalies running out of steam in in after three great rounds and like to me what immediately comes to to my mind is John Sebastian Jaguar because I thought that's what happened yep. with him he wasn't all that good in that final the year he won the Conn Smythe he was just insanely good in in the first mm-hmm. three rounds so like it it is possible for for like that's probably the most recent like example that I think of. I, I could see it in terms of the odds. Bobrovsky's plus two hundred right now. He's the he's the favorite. Jack Eichel plus three seventy five, second favorite. Uh, Matthew Kachuk plus four fifty. Mark Stone plus five fifty. And here's where it gets interesting for me because I think if you're looking for for a long shot to bet, Aiden Hill at plus sixteen hundred. Ooh. This guy, he hasn't been Bobrovsky. He hasn't been the guy stealing games for the Golden Knights. He's done his job back there, but he's six and one in the playoffs with a nine forty save percentage. If he doesn't lose another game, <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. like he's going to win the Conn Smythe. I mean, it, it also would depend on what Jack Eichel does. Like, if, if Eichel has a big final, he would he would win it. Um, 
But if the Golden Knights can close the stars out and Aiden Hill can can continue this level of play, I mean, the 940 save percentage, this guy came out of nowhere. Um, I, I think in, if you're looking at long shots to bet, and at this point in the, in the season with two and a half teams left in it, <laughs> um, it's it's going to be hard to find a long shot. I think Aiden Hill at plus 1600 is about as good as you can get. That's, that's a, that's a spicy one. Yeah. You know, goalies typically don't win the con Smythe all that often. Right. It feels like, you know, the, the people who are voting on it kind of have to get themselves into a certain mindset and maybe Sergey Borovsky's kind of opened that goalie door. If Aiden Hill comes in and outplays him by any kind of significant margin in a final, maybe, He's the one who slips through that door. That's sixteen to one. I, I don't know. That's 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 uh, that's intriguing. Let's say uh, this Vegas for- defense has allowed goalies to outplay goalies they shouldn't yeah. outplay all playoffs long. Like Loren Brassois was better than Connor Hellebuck in the first round somehow, and now in this series, Aiden Hill has outplayed Jake Ottinger. Like, would it be that surprising if if Hill outplays Bobrovsky? Right now, it sounds insane, but it keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. It's it, it it's truly remarkable. But look, I I think next next week when we do the show, uh, very likely we're either uh, recapping Game One of the Stanley Cup Final, teeing up Game One of the Stanley Cup Final between uh, Vegas and uh, and Florida. At least it feels that way. So listen, uh, best of luck covering the rest of this Stars series against uh, Vegas, and we look forward to to all your coverage. and uh, And we'll hit you up again next uh, next week. Should be fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, man. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so there you go. Uh, a little, uh, a little Granger things, and uh, we we do uh, do feel like we're getting that Vegas uh, Florida series in the Stanley Cup final. So that'll be uh, that that'll be a lot of fun. I you know, I've, oddly, I've seen people complain about this, Sean, that a Vegas Florida series from an aesthetic standpoint, like those two jerseys clash, like that okay. that, that it would be. It, does that cross your mind at all? And, like, anyone who's seen my fashion sense knows that has not crossed my mind at all. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I, I don't pay any color attention schemes. to that stuff. So that's uh, yeah, that's that's a weird one to get mad about. But I don't know, man. We're we're one game away from getting to see a knight fight a panther. Uh, that's Ooh, in a yeah. in a pregame. That that'll be cool. That'll be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Couple. Of, I just want to hit on a couple of things before we uh, open up the mailbag here and. Uh, and, and get some listener questions. Uh, first of all, did you see this? That Wayne Gretzky's last jersey that he ever wore in an NHL game uh, with the Rangers in, in April of 1999 is going up for auction. I guess it's up for auction for the next couple of weeks. Um, 
it's autographed by him. I'm going to ask you right now, if you had to guess, or I, maybe you've looked at the story, maybe, I don't know. But right now, what do you think the the, the auction price is, like the bidding is up to Boy, a certain number? Yeah, it's going to be take a guess. stupid high. Is it $100,000? Okay. So right now, as of yesterday, I haven't refreshed it today, but as of yesterday, it's up to $189,000. Man. Okay. This is for the last game he ever wore, uh, wore jersey. Uh, April 18th, 1999. Bidding goes on for another couple of weeks. Uh, people believe, uh, experts believe the price will only go up. This one is a, a shocker to me. Last year, a Wayne Gretzky jersey, the last one he ever wore with the Oilers, the night that they clinched the cup in 88 against Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, that one sold for $1.4 million. Oh wow! I had no clue. I'm not. Did you? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember hearing anything about that. I mean, no. That's, I, I, I'm not like a huge collectible guy, and obviously, this is a stratosphere that would way above just about everyone. But I mean, I that makes sense to an extent. Like it's, it's yeah. older. It's the night of a championship, you know, what have you? But not to that extent. How much right. time's left in the bit? Like, is this? How does this June even 11th, work? Is this- June 11th is the last okay. day to put a bid in. So this is going to be like eBay, right? Where, you you know, you got like, you bid $8 on the old Nintendo cartridge and you're winning right up until there's two seconds left and then somebody comes in and, and snipes yeah. you. That's It's going to be exactly like that. Uh, uh, exactly yeah. like me bidding on old video games yeah. <laughs> on eBay. Jeez, yeah. I wonder what else he's going to put up for sale. I got a, well, I got a certain Wayne Gretzky stick I wouldn't mind getting my hands on. Maybe, like well, okay, uh, run a little DNA analysis and uh, see if yeah. uh, see if we can prove anything. Doug Gilmore let's just is, say, if okay, just play this scenario out for me. Okay, let's say you do come in possession of the infamous Wayne Gretzky stick mm-hmm. that clipped Doug Gilmore in Game Six of the '93 playoffs that you know clearly had an impact on that series and in to some extent your life. Yeah. Um. Let's say you get possession of that stick. What are you doing with it? Would you would you destroy it? Would that be cathartic for you? Would you put it on display as kind of like 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 a weird morbid curiosity? Like what would yeah. you do if I well, got first, you the Gretzky the, stick? The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Kerry Fraser over so he can see it for the first time. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be very exciting for him. I don't know, man. I. I don't know. I mean, my first thought, and this is my you know twisted leaf fan mind, is to frame it and you know put it up and build a room around it. But yeah, I mean, there there have been examples, haven't there? Where I, didn't it, was it the Cubs or the Red Sox or somebody? They like got some uh, old ball or something. The, uh, the Buckner ball, and there was like an the exorcism. Buckner ball. They did that. Yeah, for, was that it? Okay, uh, yeah. The Red Sox did that. Was Charlie Sheen involved in that? Did like Charlie Sheen buy that ball at one point? <laughs> you know what? I have no idea, but that absolutely sounds that that sounds know. right. That feels like something yeah. that uh, the the Charlie Sheen era uh, could absolutely happen. I mean, yeah, that's like you know you 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 just uh, burn it, destroy it, blow it up, something like that. Strap it in a rocket and shoot it to the moon. Uh, I don't know. There maybe there would be something like that, but uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think every hockey fan. Or every sports fan probably has one piece of memorabilia that they'd like to have and then like and and destroy, right? Like for you, it maybe yeah. it is that Gretzky stick. Um, 
You know, I'd love to destroy. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. That ball that slipped through Tony Romo's fingers in Seattle on oh, the wild okay. I know there's a bunch of things I could pick from as a Dallas fan. Um, yeah, you got. We both got some fertile <laughs> but, ground. Like I feel like every fan, you would take one thing that you could like just take it and incinerate it, blow it up, right? I think I think we all would. I think we will mm-hmm. all have. Uh, yep. Um, I I feel like that's we we got to get some some emails from the listeners on that. Yeah. One. Like what. What are you going to destroy? And and bonus points if you've got a creative way to destroy it that uh, that that fits somehow because yeah that's that's yeah gonna be uh, yeah the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. and we're talking about the auction and the bidding process on a Gretzky jersey very quickly. Let me give our listeners an update on another auction bidding process: the sale of the Ottawa Senators. Here we mm. are on Thursday, the what are the twenty fifth of May? Yeah, twenty. Speaking of sniping yeah. in at the last what minute. What is happening here? It's been a lot of okay? last minutes. And yeah. this is going to be one of the most fascinating. If I can get to the bottom of this, or and I, there might be a race to this at some point. Something very interesting, intriguing, whatever you want to say, is happening behind closed doors. And the NHL has done a really good job of keeping that out of the public. Like I think if you've noticed... There hasn't been a lot of rumors, uh, information floating out. Uh, there's been a lot of conjecture, a lot of speculation, but there hasn't really been anything concrete, right? You've seen people say like, boy, I think this bid's going to win or mm-hmm. that. Nobody knows. And I, I, I feel like I'm really well connected or fairly well connected to this process. And we're sitting here closing in on 12 noon on the 25th of May. And if you told me, Ian, uh, you got to pick one bidder that's going to win right now. Who's it going to be? I don't think I could tell you that with any degree of certainty. And I think that's really remarkable. Like, like I want mm-hmm. people to understand that there is something crazy going on, I think, behind the scenes. And that that Nico Sparks bit is the real, it's the one that I think has thrown a wrench into this. Like, I'm, I'm taking an educated guess here. Because everything else leads me to believe that like they should be out of this, right? Like, should they, like, based on everything you're seeing and hearing, don't you kind of feel like they should be out of this? Mm-hmm. But why aren't they? Yep. And I, I don't yep. understand. Yep. That's the thing. And, and they've been, uh, you know, I wouldn't say they've, they've been very public on things, but it does, you know, it feels like if they were out, we would know. And they we, had been told they were out that we'd know oh, about and it. And even if, if they were told they were out and they were lying to, you know, media or other people that, oh, no, 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 we're in it. Other people would know mm-hmm. and be like, trust me, if they're out, there's going to be a lot of people with that information that that's going to get out. Mm-hmm. And as we're sitting here, they're alive. And I don't know what to make of that. I Like, look, I've seen people suggest that they don't have the financing in place, that it's a house of cards. I get it. And, and I, I I don't understand why they're alive, but they're alive. And 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 people get angry at me for I've noticed, and th- this is a really weird phenomenon for me. And people are saying, like, oh man, Mendez just wants the sparks bid. That's you're shilling for the sparks bid. Like, first of all, show me the receipts. Like, show me the mm-hmm. column that I wrote that said at any point that I was pushing for this group, endorsing this group. If anything. I think you could probably, in hindsight, make an argument. Go back and look at my coverage around Reynolds. Look at, like, like I flew to freaking Wrexham and did a story about what this guy could yep. do. 
I back in November, I think I even wrote the words the NHL would be uh, really short-sighted to pass up an opportunity to work with Ryan Reynolds. I never said that about any other group. And yet, somehow, mm-hmm. there's this weird thing. That, and I saw a Reddit thread the other day. People are like, is it kind of, do anyone else kind of find it weird the way Ian Mendes is handling the spark situation? I'm like, weird. Like, folks, I have worked in this market for 20 years. If you know anything about my coverage, it's very careful. It's very balanced. It's very nuanced. And it's like, it's measured. Like, I'm not hot take guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not the, like, so if I report on a Tuesday that I believe, like I did, I wrote on Tuesday, I believe the Sparks group is still in it. I believe they're in it. That's not me endorsing them. That's like, if other media outlets or other people don't want to acknowledge that, that's not, I I don't know what to say. I'm just trying to tell people what I think is going on behind the scenes. And I think the Sparks group has given uh, the NHL and the Melnick estate, somebody to think about. Now, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, like, I, I don't have, mm-hmm. like, and all these people are saying, like, how come you're not criticizing them for their uh, house of cards structure? I, I haven't seen the structure. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. All I'm saying is this. Whoever ends up as the owner here in Ottawa, whether it's Sparks, Apostolopoulos, uh, Kimmel, and Lowry, some combination of them, like, we're done with clown rodeos as owners here. Like, I, I, like I, I, I don't have the interest. Like anybody who thinks that 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 I'm gonna be, uh, you know, finally like just like laying back and like letting some sort of house of cards ownership come in here, and I'm not gonna question them. No, no, no. I'm gonna be real uh, critical and balanced and whatever on this new ownership group. Like we can't have this again. So. I just, I don't know. But do you not find it odd that they're alive if this is what's going on? Like, Uh, what am I missing here? Yes. Like, maybe somebody like you who's out of this can help me. How are they still alive? Because I believe that they're still alive. No, I mean, I I don't know because I don't know as much about this process as you do because the, the number of people, period, who know as much about this process as you do is a very small number. And most of those people are directly involved. So they're not saying anything. Um, you know, I would point out that, you know, you said these, these guys aren't just going to be out there lying to people about being in. You wouldn't think so. Um, th- this could be a group. If it doesn't happen for them in Ottawa, they could be in on other teams in the future. They, they have no direct ties to this yeah. market. So, you know, maybe if, if an Arizona or somebody they're, they're so they're not going to burn all those bridges. And I just, I, I don't know. I think you're being, if anything, you're, you're being kind on some of the the feedback. I, you and I have talked offline. I have never seen just the hockey world, period. Just whether it's Twitter, whether it's comment sections, Reddit, everything. It, it, it All the discourse is so dumb and angry and just, I, and I don't know what it is, but good Lord, it's, it's almost impossible to wade through these days. And, you know, I'm saying this is someone like you know, I don't even have to deal with half the nonsense that that a lot of people do in in these forums. But it's just like you know, you this is this is going to sound crazy, but you used to be able to just disagree yeah. with somebody. You used to be able to say, "I think Mendez is wrong," or you used yeah. to be, even be able to say, "I think Mendez is dumb." I, I think Mendez is he's being sold a bill of goods, and he did. But now everything has to be 
some secret conspiracy and everyone's got to be in someone's yeah. pocket. And, oh, how much are yeah. you getting for this? And how much of that? What's your secret agenda? Good Lord. It's, you know, it's, it's the most ridiculous. I've, I've been hearing it from lots of Leaf fans, um, you know, but I don't think it's anything specific to any fan base. It's just everybody has just dropped any pretense of being even vaguely reasonable when it comes to this stuff. And it's just who can have the loudest tantrum and it stinks. And, you know, uh, it's, it, it's, uh, you're, you're, I admire and applaud your patience because I don't think I would have it. Yeah. It's, it's, been, you know, it's been exhausting. Yeah. It's been ex- an exhausting stuff. week trying to get to the bottom of this. And again, try to work on behalf of Ottawa fans and tell them, this is what I think is going on. And if you don't like what's going on, that's not, I didn't, I don't make stuff like of all the things that you could accuse me of. You can't accuse me ever of making stuff up. Like that's just not me, right? Like like nobody has ever gone back. And back. Yeah, Mendez is the guy. You just rumor monger. Why on mm-hmm. earth would I start now? Like why would I all of a sudden be like you know ah cracks knuckles? <laughs> I sure wish I could work for an NHL team. What's the fastest route for me to do it? I know I'll be a shill and I will like I will yep. just pump up a group. And then when they get the team, I'll be like, look what I did for you. You got to give me a job. And then I'll be the VP of marketing. Like, come on, folks. Like, what do you like? What do you think I've been doing for 20 years? I've been working on your behalf. And I'm going to continue to work on your behalf to get to the bottom of this. And when the new ownership comes in, whether it's any of these four parties, I'm going to hold them to the same degree of accountability that I did with all the other ones. Like it's as simple as that. And, 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 and I, I don't understand where this stuff is coming from. I I really don't like, like the Reddit thread the other day of boy, just so disappointing that Mendez isn't calling out the sparks bid for what it is calling it out for what it is. It's in the mix. Like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me? I'm reporting on it. Telling you that they're in the mix. What do we, it's like, don't, if they get the bid, don't yell at me. Yell at the NHL and GSP if you got a problem with it. Like uh, uh, everybody, like honestly, sometimes I hate to break it to you, but sometimes things just happen in the world that aren't what you want. And you don't just get to slam your hands over your ears and say, well, no, it's not real. It's not, you know, this isn't, this isn't it. Oh, Ian's making it up because some ownership, first of all, why do you even have a favorite ownership group right now if you're a fan? Just whoever's going to be the most stable is going to win. More importantly, you should should be. be asking like why do why are why are some reporters and journalists pushing for sir? Like I said, go back and look. I've never pushed or endorsed anybody, but like why are there some people that seem to be pulling or writing and favorable things? Like anybody who knows me knows the one thing I will never do is I will not get into a uh, let's trade scoops for favorable coverage arrangement. That you and mm-hmm. I went to journalism school together. We know how this works. You don't do that. I would never do that. I like literally the only, mm-hmm. yeah, some, some people, people do, do. And that's you, you, you put your head on your own pillow. You sleep at night. That's not me. But when I look at this spark spin, what I th- think is hilarious is I've over the course of six months, I've been able to draw out two things. One back in January, I heard that there was this group of visible minorities that was interested in buying a hockey team. And maybe they were going to put a run in on Ottawa. So I dug and I dug and I got it. And yes, it turned out they were valid. So I think that that was a fair story to report because I do think 
It was newsworthy. Hey, here's a group. About three months later, after me, four months later, and I've been chiseling at this group because they did one thing people close to them told me was, we have our own celebrity. Like, who the hell is this guy? So I'm chiseling. I get nothing. I'm chiseling. I get nothing. Finally, four and a half months later, I'm able to glean and, and confirm it's Snoop Dogg. Again, I think that's a pretty significant piece of the puzzle, a piece of news. That is it. I, I did it. Did you see me breaking the Donovan Bailey is joining the group? Did you see me breaking the, uh, you know, uh, Sportsnet had uh, the fact that the Sparks group uh, was um, uh, aligning with uh, First Nations uh, community and all. I didn't have that. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> where are people? Anyway, you know what? And, and, uh, I've said too much. <laughs> No, no, stop, stop being, being st- stupid, everybody. Yeah, I, is what I'm saying. Guys, I'm saying this is an outsider. Like, you guys are being, you guys are being very like, dumb about this. Like, for Maybe the I'm love of God, you think if it. Nico Sparks buys this team and gets the team, <sighs> I'm gonna go easy on him? What the hell? Like, come on, come on. You know, people who know yeah. me know me, and I could. None afford. of us, none of us are no. rooting for one group over another. And I say this as the guy who shared a booth with That's Snoop Dogg. Right. <laughs> Hey, we both have our own Snoop Dogg stories now. Like, that's crazy. There it is. Do you think we're the only people like in their mid 40s in Ottawa with like personal Snoop Dogg? No, I guess not. You know, he he ran a uh, or he owned a share of a a cannabis uh, company out here like a couple years ago. So I think. You're kidding. What a shocker. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, all, all I'm saying is, man, people, every now and then people bug me like, when are you, when are you and Blogie Salmon going to get back together oh, and uh, you know, bring back some of the, hey, you wait, man. You want to hear the guest track that's dropping on our next project. It's just, uh, let's just Old say school. it's going to be a good one. But only, only if they win the bid, which is why I'm, yeah. I'm secretly um, Venmoing Mendez constantly yeah. to, to make all it All right, happen. let's uh, open up the uh, the mailbag here. Anyway, that's the end of my rant. I, and I, again, I'm just, I'm just trying to to respond to what feels like an, a wave of criticism that's come at my doorstep, which I don't think is warranted, but that's my explanation of it. And you can, listeners, you can buy it. You can not buy it, whatever. I, Like I said, I put my head on my pillow and I sleep at night. Although, wait, that just sounds like I just did a, a, an ad read for my pillow. And I don't want to make that clear. That's not what I just did. Okay. Anyway. Well. Interesting. Oh, well, 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 well. Okay. This guy is. Wow. Yeah. Just yeah. drop that at the end. Of- <laughs> uh Okay. Uh, you can email us at the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com or voicemail 845-445-8459. Uh, let's read a couple here. This one's from Sean. Says, a philosophical question for you on the Florida Panthers. Are they legitimately a Cinderella team? A number eight seed making the Stanley Cup final? Yeah, maybe they do fit the mold. The 96 Panthers, the 98... Uh, wait, he's got 98 Hurricanes. That's not right. I don't know. What, wait. Anyway, 03 Mighty Ducks, Habs in 21. Historically, though, those teams, he must have known two hurricanes. Whatever. Anyway, he's saying, but you know what? I don't think we should be lumping in the Panthers with those old school Cinderella teams. Uh, They won the President's Trophy with 120 points 12 months earlier. Um, They just happened to be a great team with a lousy regular season and found their game just in time. What say you? That's from Sean. Yes or no? It's it's a tough one, right? Like... uh, uh, and part of it, maybe, you know, it's it's going to be wait and see. They, they've got a bit of that vibe where, yeah, you you do feel like, hey, this team, yeah, you look at the record, not great. But you look at, in this case, the history, 
last year. They were, uh, you know, they were President's Trophy. And I, I wrote that in a piece that, that, uh, that I had that came out yesterday where I was like, look, of all the lessons you can learn about these teams, don't just pull the lesson from Florida that says, oh, all you got to do is make it in. Anything can happen. Because, you know, if your GM tries to sell you anything can happen, ask that GM, when was the last 122-point season that this team had? And, uh, you know, the, the teams that come to mind a little bit maybe with the Panthers is the LA Kings, 2012, which was an eighth seed, and yet a team that a lot of people looked at and said, this team's better than the record says. The other team that you used to hear mentioned as a Cinderella team, and then it kind of stopped, was the Predators in 2017. Uh, right? 2017, yeah. First, first year with P.K. Subban. They go to the final, I think, also as an eighth seed. Everyone's like, wow, what a great... What a great story. What a great Cinderella. They lose in the final. But President's then trophy. the next year, yeah. they win the President's Trophy. So it's it's flipped in the order, but a lot of people look at that and go, okay, that was a team that was right on the cusp of being a really dominant regular season team as well. So, you know, we don't really view them the same way. You don't hear them thrown around in the same same breath as some of these other teams. So I, I don't, at the end of the day, it's going to be whatever works best for the story that we like to tell ourselves. So they may still end up being considered uh, the, one of those Cinderella's, but no, I don't think that they're uh, uh, up. They're as big a shock in hindsight, knowing what they've done recently as some of these other uh, Elise in Philadelphia has written in. Elise says, uh, friend and I were chatting about a new fun rule that could be added to the playoffs. Imagine this. Uh, if you win in the first and the second round, winning teams were allowed to take one player from the team they defeated with them into round three. For example, maybe Vegas could be going into the Western Conference final with Connor Hellebuck from round one, Connor McDavid from round two. Just suspend some disbelief here for a second. Pretend that they mesh into the lineup right away. So what two players should the four remaining teams have taken with them into the conference finals this year that's from Elise in Philadelphia, and uh, we love we love silly suggestions like this one. Yep, and, and you hear some version of this uh, every now and then, and and I think yeah, I think we got it right here for Vegas. I think it probably is Connor Hellebuck, um, which in hindsight would have taken away that beautiful Aiden Hill story, but uh, that's that's probably who they go with. Um, and I and I think you have to go McDavid, although you'd at least think about, yeah. right? you'd at least yeah. think about Leandrosidel the way that he was he was just playing. Um, I, I think if you're Carolina gets interesting, because again, do you take the goalie, you know, in, in round two, given their injuries and everything, I, I think it's Jack Hughes pretty easy um, in uh, that, that you're going to take from, from Jersey. I don't, I don't think you're bringing Dougie Hamilton back or anything like that. Do you take Sorokin in round one? I, on the one hand, you know, they didn't really need gold. Goaltending wasn't the issue in Carolina, but on the other hand, I mean, who else would you even take from that Islanders team? Like, Horvat and Barzell, and the, they were ice cold in the, that series. So I don't think you're grabbing them. Um, Dallas is Dallas is interesting. Dallas is, has got the toughest one out of this, right? Because they're left with Minnesota. You're, it's probably an ice cold Kirill Kaprizov. And then who do you even take from Seattle? I guess maybe Jared McCann. Like, you know, Seattle right. classically, the team that didn't have a superstar, but just had like 20 good players. So I don't know who you take there. Um, and then Florida, geez, uh, who do you take from Boston? Who do you take from the Maple Leafs? I mean, you, you would, consi you would consider mean, Marchand, wouldn't you, as the guy? Like, just Bergeron was Marchand, kind of banged the, up, right? 
The other guy I'm thinking of is Charlie McAvoy, right? I mean, mm. that's uh, yeah, uh, and, Lindholm and, McAvoy. You know, again, yeah. If 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 we're if we're putting ourselves in that moment, you just won Game Seven. Um, back then, if you're Florida, you're going. Are you not going? Yeah, maybe we take Linus Allmark. Guy's going to win the Vezina. We don't have solid goaltending. Our goaltending's a big question mark. And then you know, of course, we know that's not how it turned out. They probably get saved by the fact that Allmark was banged up and didn't play the game seven. I would go McAvoy, and then I guess you go Austin Matthews from the Leafs, and you just hope that. Uh, Hope that he can get clicking, but uh, yeah, it would uh, it would be something. It'd be a lot of fun. And now, if you're uh, you know if you're the Panthers, you you get uh, who are you even taking from Carolina at this point? Uh, one more. I'll read one more email. This one from Megan. Megan writes in to the Athletic Hockey Show. Just watching a baseball game on my couch when I heard a name called for a de- defensive replacement for the Dodgers outfielder James Outman. I immediately thought the two of you uh, could be a very good sports name if he's entering the game as a plus defender. Could be a pretty bad name, though, if he's bad at the plate. Either way, it's a 10 out of 10, no notes type of sports name. James Outman. Love the quirky stuff you guys bring to hockey commentary. That's from Megan. Love yeah, that. you gotta you gotta be a good player to make the major leagues. Outman, when your name is Outman, you you had to uh, you had to overcome some stuff. That's that's a good one. I like yeah, that one a lot. I like that. You know, I, I thought of one the other day. A good uh, uh, underrated goalie name from back in the day, uh, Steve Shields, right? Like, mm, kind of yeah. like mm-hmm. Steve Shields. Good good name for a goalie. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, we we love those uh, those ironic. And of course, you know, if just if we're going on pronunciation, Joseph Wall had it going a little bit. Yes, uh, Joseph Wall for was... the Leafs in the play. That you know, down the line in the future, that could uh, you know maybe maybe we can do something with that. Okay, let's uh, wrap it up with this week in hockey history. In fact, you made a little uh, uh, what do we call it? Like a uh, little teaser. Little teaser. That's exactly what I was looking for. That you 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 hinted at this. A little foreshadowing. It was uh, yes. this week in 1994 that Mark Messier guaranteed that his New York Rangers would beat the New Jersey Devils in Game Six. Uh, Devils were up three-two. Winner would go on to the Stanley Cup Final. And uh, I want to read you a quote from Messier right after the game. Messier, of course, famously scores a third-period hat trick to seal the win. Rangers would go on to win Game Seven on that uh, Mateau goal and win the Stanley Cup. Messier says after the game, "quote I felt that guaranteeing a win would be a great way to let my players know that I believe we could go in there and win Game Six. Now, here's my question for you, and the reason why I'm reading that clip uh, quote is: Could a captain in the year 2023, so 30 years later, Sean, get away with saying it would be a great way to let my players know?" Mm. right like i feel yeah. like we would be right. we would be all we'd be like what Not do you us. mean my players it shouldn't it be our players yeah like it's funny though right yeah yeah that's good but i mean that's the way that's you know mark messier could get away with it he was already at the time like this the great guy. mythical yeah. leader although it it went to a new level after he became the only player in hockey history to ever guarantee anything as long as you don't count all of the other guys who did it and it didn't it work didn't work yeah. so um, yep, the the uh, the immortal guarantee uh, that we've heard so much about over the uh, the years since um, it worked. He had the hat trick game six. One of them was into an empty net, but still, it, you know, had the he had the big game. It, it's a great call. And, uh, Do you remember uh, Gary Thorne back in the day was ESPN? Mm-hmm. He had a Gary Thorne had a great call. 
of the of the Messi. What was the call on the on the hat? Yeah, goal? on the hat trick call, right? It, it was like he's he, something like he's. Well, let me we get Danielle to just drop it in here. Bernie Nichols looks behind him. Messier won the draw. Lutz declared it around. John McLean center for the empty net. Mark Messier. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? He said we will win game six. He has just picked up the hat trick. There we go. That does a uh, that does it for a Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. This one uh, this one flew by. As always, email us any of your questions. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail as well at 845-445-8459. Right now, a one-year subscription to The Athletic is available for $2 a month for 12 months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.